0: Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God, our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the Bible, there is a letter called 1 Corinthians. It was written by a guy named the Apostle Paul to a church in a city called Corinth, a church that he started and was now away from. And he writes them this letter to deal with issues that he hears that they're facing in that church. A big issue that that church is facing division as a result of immaturity, pride, and selfishness. We are working our way through this letter, this this book called 1 Corinthians, uh, during this sermon series that. We have titled One for All, All for One. Jesus is the one who is for all, and we in his name are all for one. And as we work our way through the book of 1 Corinthians, we're finding these themes each week. And so today I'm preaching on the reality that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 4, we hear that we are all for one church. All for one church church at the end of first corinthians chapter 2 the apostle paul had been writing to the church explaining to them what mature christian people look like but then in chapter 3 his conversation moves right along he had been saying here's what mature christian people look like but you are not mature christian people You are infants, spiritual infants. And what are infants? Well, they're selfish, (laughs) they're self-centered. No offense, William, and any other infants in the room or watching online. This is not an insult to you as infants, it's just true. And he's locking eyes with me, this one infant in the room. It's not an insult that you're selfish, it's just who you, who you are, it's how, how you're raised, right? it's just the truth. The problem in Corinth was division, division that was caused by immaturity, because immaturity leads to pride and selfishness. So Paul, in addressing this church and their issues of division, he's just got to get back to the basics. And remind them about what it means to be the church, to be all for one church. And to help them understand, he uses three images that we'll look at today in 1 Corinthians 3. We'll look at them one at a time. Food, field, and foundation. Food, field, and foundation. Let's look at these one at a time. Food, first of all. I've got three young kids at my house. These are not them. These are stock photo children. We can make up names for them. But actually, I technically have four children. We have one on the way due in September. If you didn't know that, now you do. All right, so we have these three kids at our house, and they are, uh, they're, they're three and uh, seven and nine sorry, I just got it. they just had birthdays, so we've got to adjust these in my mind three, seven, nine. And, and at different stages of raising children, uh, we've fed our children differently. When they're infants, and they're brand new, all they get is milk, because that's all they can handle. As they get a little bit bigger and can sit up on their own, put them in a high chair and start to give them some mashed-up food or little pieces of food and feed it. To them and as they get a little bit bigger, they move along and they can even start to feed themselves and they eat a bigger food and more food and we 're at this place now where my children eat as much food as me, and then they 're still hungry, and I guess that 's a good weight loss program for me but I don't know how to afford this, but that's beside the point. So as we, you know, as they progress throughout life, they they, they go through these different phases. And, you know, we even seat them in different places. When they're young, you hold them. As they get a little bigger, you put them in a high chair. We move them to this booster seat that has straps and then to another booster seat and then to a chair on their own. The silverware changes from little plasticy stuff that you put in there and you feed, you feed them with that nice gentle silverware and then you give them little silverware that they can feed themselves with. You, you even move from unbreakable plates and cups to even breakable ones, which by the way, I'm thinking about reverting myself back because I'm the one that's guilty of breaking the most stuff in my house, but you know, that's also beside the point. So there's these different Phases as we move from being an infant to being more and more mature how what how we eat and what kind of food we eat. the same Paul is saying goes for spiritual food. Some of you are new to knowing Jesus and having a relationship with him. Some of you are new to this whole Christianity thing, or perhaps honestly even exploring maybe who Jesus is and whether you want to get to know him more. Those of you that are new to following Jesus or new to the faith, it's not an insult, but we just want you to have the basics. Spiritual milk. So if you're new to following Jesus, let me simply tell you of his abundant love for you. He has always loved you, even when you have not loved him. He is not far from you. No matter what you have done wrong, he forgives you. Even when you think that you have run as far away from Jesus as you think you could, even if you think you've been to the the depths of darkness, Jesus was with you the whole time. He never left your side. And Jesus wants to change your life. He wants you to know that there's a better way to live now and for all of eternity. And he invites you, he's inviting you into this better way to consume the spiritual milk, simply to consume that forgiveness and that love and that presence of Jesus with you, to surrender your desires And ask his desires to be fulfilled in your life. And when you do that, you'll see a difference. Those of you who have been around a little while longer and are mature in the faith, the expectations for you are greater. I have to give you rich food The nutrition is still the same as for the infants. The message is always the same. The message is always Jesus Christ and his crucifixion and resurrection for your forgiveness and life, always. That is the message. But you need to be taught and instructed in a deeper way. And even more than that, the expectation is greater that your life actually reflects the life of Jesus and that you live out this word of God in you. Yeah, you need to know the ABCs and the one, two, threes of the faith, but just as it is in raising children and the responsibility of your children increases with age and maturity, so too it goes in the family of God. We expect those of you who are mature in the faith to also be productive members of this family, giving and contributing and leading others who are young in the faith to know what it looks like to follow Jesus. If you've been in this place for a while and following Jesus for a while and you're still content just drinking milk, I would invite you to consider the rich food of Jesus Christ and open it up and start chewing on his Word. Again, the problem in the church in Corinth was division based on immaturity and selfishness. The people there were not following Christ. They were childish. They wanted what they wanted, and they wanted who they wanted. And Paul was telling the church and therefore telling us that this kind of childish division has no place in the family of God. So Paul just gets right to the basics and gives them the spiritual milk. The message of the church, the message of the scriptures is Jesus Christ, crucified, died, buried, risen from the dead for forgiveness and life. Food, that's the first image. The second image Paul uses to speak about the church and help the Corinthians understand what it means to be the church is the field. The field. Paul says this, Okay, again, it's the same problem. Paul's just using different images to address the same problem. But the, the problem was division. And what was happening was that there were some leaders in Corinth who wanted recognition for what they were doing for the church. Paul started the church in Corinth, he planted the seed of the gospel. Apollos came after him to water it and help raise the people, help it grow. But now there are these other leaders who want recognition for what they're doing for the church. They're prideful and arrogant and people in the church are aligning themselves with different leaders and different people and different segments and factions and it's all over the place. And so Paul is reminding them that the one who plants gets no credit, the one who waters gets no credit, only God gets the credit for the growth of the field, his church. Those of you that farm or garden, even if you plant flowers in a pot, I think you understand this to a degree. You realize there's only so much you can do to get a plant or a field, for that matter, to grow. Yes, there's human effort involved. You can tend to the soil and you have to plant the seed. But at the end of the day, you can't force the sky to produce rain. You can't make that seed open up any faster than it's ready to open up. You can't do that. Only God can. And this is what Paul is speaking about in the image of the field. Paul says, you, the church, collectively, you are God's field. The word you in the Greek language, it's plural. It's not just talking about you as an individual. It's talking about you as a collective, you are God's field, united together in this one place, growing according to God's working in your life. God is tending to you. God is raining on you. God is pouring His sun, light into your life. God is raising you up. God is growing you. You are God's field. And in that same breath, in that same sentence, in that same phrase, in the Bible Paul moves from the image of the field to the final image and says that the church, this field of God is also God's building. He says these words, you are God's field, God's building. So this takes us into the third image that Paul uses and we're going to call it the foundation. The foundation we just sang that hymn of faith. The church is one foundation, is Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul is very clear that the foundation of the building of the church is Jesus. That's it. The foundation is Jesus. It is firm, it is secure. You can build on it, it's going nowhere. It is solid. But Paul is saying to them, guys, I came to you in this church. You had nothing. I preached Jesus Christ, Him crucified, buried, risen from the dead. For your sake, I laid the foundation. But now others are coming after me and trying to build the church on that foundation. Be wary of what you build on this foundation, Paul says. Be careful of what you put. He's he's saying the foundation's secure, but if you build foolishly, the building will fall apart and then you'll see the foundation, once again, is firm and secure and it's Jesus. Paul mentions six building things you can use, six building uh, ingredients. I don't know, that's not the right word, but six things to build with. You can use gold, silver, and precious stones. Those are images for building the church with the pure doctrine and the simplicity of the gospel and the rich food of the scriptures. And if you build like that, you'll have a strong church. But he says, if you build with wood and hay and straw, those are frivolous things. It's like Paul is saying to them, haven't you ever read or heard of the three little pigs, right? I mean, if you build with wood or hay or straw, the big bad wolf's going to come and huff and puff and blow your house down. Don't you know this? But if you build, if you build this church on the rock of Jesus Christ, preaching no other message than that of Jesus Christ who had died and rose for you, you will have a strong church. Without Jesus, there is nothing if we were to preach a message chasing after cultural trends this would be a house that would fall with the tides of the world but if we stay true to Jesus and to the scriptures and to this rich food that God provides God will build a strong church. All right, I said that Paul uses three images. Food, family or food, field and foundation in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and he does But there is one more image that he also speaks about that I want to conclude by talking about today. We didn't read it today because it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, but the fourth image is family. Family. The church is family. Paul writes this at the very end of chapter 4. I do not write these things to you to make you ashamed but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you don't have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. Paul had become a spiritual father to the church in Corinth. And what does a good father do? feeds his children, cares for his children, teaches his children. And he demonstrates and models to his children the way a father ought to be. And when we have a good father in our life, what do we end up doing as we grow? We imitate our father. Actually, that word imitate in the Greek language is mimetai mimiti where we get the word imitate or even mimic right where you do the thing that the person does paul says imitate me and when he says that he's not being arrogant I i know it sounds kind of weird for paul to say imitate me he's not being arrogant when we look at it in context and all the things paul is saying he's saying only imitate me as i imitate jesus Only follow me as I follow Jesus. If I ever show you or model to you something that is not the way of Jesus, don't model me. Don't follow me. But so long as I am modeling to you Jesus and imitating Jesus to you, you can imitate me. Like a good father, he wants to model Christ-like living to his children. in that picture, that father, I I imagine this is a father coming home from work, picking up that infant, smiling at that child, and that child probably smiling right back, like the the child looking at the face of the father and vice versa. You know, like all things in life, Christ-like living is learned through modeling. My job as a pastor, and Pastor Kevin's job, Marcus's job, our youth and campus director, Jamie's job is our ELC director, our staff, our, our leaders, frankly, any of us who are mature in the faith, our responsibility is to model Jesus Christ to one another and in particular to those who are young in the faith. And so I invite you to imitate me, not arrogantly, but only as I imitate Jesus. If I ever model to you something that is not the way of Jesus or speak to you a word that is not the word of Jesus, correct me, correct me, tell me, and don't follow me or mimic me in that place, please. But I tell you, my hope and prayer My desire is only to preach the word of God in Jesus Christ to you. I desire for you to be people who are growing up in the faith. I want to feed you with Jesus. I want to feed you with that spiritual milk if you are young and with that rich food if you are mature. I want to work together as God's building, as fellow workers in this field built on him, the sure and strong foundation of Jesus Christ. Our Lord. We are his church, his field, his building, his family. At Saints Peter and Paul, we say it like this. We are a vibrant and multiplying family of God that is truly and fully alive in Christ. Christ, Jesus, is our life in this place. He is all that we have and all that we need. If you have been chasing the ways of the world or following after other people who have left you alone and you're feeling hungry and empty, look no further than Jesus Christ. I invite you into this family of God, to this church here. We are not perfect by any means at Saints Peter and Paul, but Jesus is. He is our foundation. He is giving us growth. It is all his. To him alone be the glory now and forever, ever. In Jesus' name, amen.